everyone, welcome to our final episode of 2023 BMJ Sexually Transmitted Infections podcast, which we are releasing in honor of World AIDS Day. I'm Fabiola Martin, the BMJ STI podcast editor and sexual health specialist based in Australia and clinical lecturer at School of Public Health at University of Queensland. Today, thanks to effective HIV antiretroviral therapy, people living with HIV can live long and healthy lives. According to the latest data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, in 2021, of the nearly 1.1 million people living with diagnosis in the United States and dependent areas, over 53% were aged 50 or older. With me today is Dr. Reena Rajasuria, who is Associate Professor at the Department of Medicine at University of Malaya, and we will focus on the topic, Growing Older with HIV. Hi, Rina. It is wonderful to welcome you to our podcast today, and I'm glad I made your acquaintance at IS Conference in Brisbane in July this year. Could I ask you to please tell us a little bit about your amazing work in Malaysia? Thanks, Fabiola, for the invitation and for highlighting this incredibly important topic on this special podcast in conjunction with World AIDS Day. I'm a clinical pharmacist by training and I coordinate the Translational Research Program in HIV Immunology and Aging at the Centre of Excellence for Research in AIDS in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Fantastic. Thank you, Rina. And so I move on to my first question. Does the aging process differ between people who are living with well-suppressed HIV infection and people who do not have HIV? Yes, there are some unique features of HIV which may influence the process of aging differently compared to people without HIV. HIV may influence the aging process in a number of ways. From a biological perspective, we know people living with HIV may have low levels activation of the immune system, even among those with well-suppressed HIV. And we know that these effects are augmented, especially if treatment is started late. Specific classes of antiretroviral drugs may alter cellular processes leading to increased risks for developing diseases commonly associated with aging like diabetes, kidney disease and osteoporosis. Of course, a lot of the older drugs were a lot more toxic compared to the regimens we have today. People with HIV may also have lifestyles which may not favour the trajectory of ageing like increased alcohol intake, smoking, and recreational drug use. We know that all of these hasten the process of aging and contribute to the decline in health. One factor which is often overlooked, Fabiola, in the context of aging with HIV is the role the environment plays in supporting the process of aging. HIV often disproportionately affects individuals who are marginalized and who may have limited access to housing, food, and limited ability to engage and participate in society. And this is often driven by stigma and discrimination. And all of these are critical to aging well. Yes, I agree with you. Aging well and feeling well. And um, how do you suggest or do you, you know, do assess persons with HIV who are on antiretrovirals about the aging? You know, are they aging well or not? How do you assess them? There are a number of assessments which are being used in the clinic to give us an indication of an individual's health and function. Now, many of these tools 
are used to assess the presence of what we call as geriatric conditions like frailty, cognitive decline, disability. And we have borrowed many of these assessment tools from our geriatric colleagues who have been using them for decades now to determine age-related decline and the need for increased health support among their elderly patients. Now, the problem with these tools are that they were developed and validated for use in the elderly population, so individuals over the age of 65. So it may not be as sensitive to pick up more subtle age-related decline in people with HIV who tend to manifest these conditions at a younger age. Now, in 2017, the World Health Organization recommended the utilization of a set of functional assessments as part of their Integrated Care for Older People Framework, or the acronym is ICO, and this is to monitor individuals and individuals' trajectory of aging. Now, this recommendation encompasses assessments of mood, memory, vision, hearing, vitality or an energy balance and mobility, and these collectively reflect an individual's intrinsic capacity. Now, intrinsic capacity, in other words, is all of the physical or mental capacity an individual draws on in order to walk, see, hear, think and remember. So all are very basic functions. And measuring these five domains do not need expensive tools and it's easy to perform even by a non-specialist in the community setting. However, many of the validation studies with these tools have so far been in the general population and its utility in the context of HIV has not been extensively studied. The ICOP assessments are certainly promising if they are found validated in people with HIV, especially since it can be made very accessible in resource-limited settings. Thank you. Yes, I agree. And um, we need to learn more and use more these quite simple assessments. But um, which interventions should clinicians consider? Let's say they have done the assessments when um, they try to offer their patients or support the patients in living a good quality life when aging? There are a number of considerations here. Many things influence an individual's quality of life as they age, and these relate to both their medical conditions as well as aspects of their daily life. From a medical perspective, working closely with people with HIV to address their health needs in a holistic manner is important. And this means not just their physical health or HIV-related symptoms, but also their emotional health, sexual health, and social needs. And this also extends to screening for cancers, ensuring vaccinations are up to date, addressing menopause and andropause issues, and offering STI screening and, and post- and pre-exposure prophylaxis appropriately. Now, as people with HIV get older, their care needs will become more complex, often requiring clinic attendance with multiple specialities and support services. This in itself can be challenging and can impact adherence to care and quality of life. And so clinicians should aim to simplify access to care within their HIV programs. For example, integrate care with other specialities where, where possible and co-op local GPs so that some of the aspects of care and monitoring can be done within the community. Another possibility is to establish telehealth services for individuals who are more comfortable handling technology, and these can improve treatment satisfaction and quality of life. 
In my opinion, here in Malaysia, it is important to coordinate additional services with HIV provider as the primary care coordinator to overcome challenges for older people. All HIV and non-HIV specific needs require the involvement of people with HIV co-developing their care plans so that we adhere to person-centered care. Lastly, clinicians can also take a proactive approach to help prevent and slow functional aging by encouraging non-pharmacologic interventions like cessation of smoking, engaging in exercise, active socialization, and good diet are important to maintain an individual's well-being. Yes, thank you, Rina. Here in Australia, we have a large cohort of GPs referred to as S100 prescribers who can prescribe HIV antiretrovirals and provide excellent community-based care. So finally, could you please share one last brief message for the benefit of our listeners? My message is that we need to normalize asking people with HIV about their aging-related concerns, just as we routinely inquire about their challenges in taking art medications. Thank you, Rina. A short and sweet message. I thank you so much for your time and effort and for joining us today. So with me today is Associate Professor Dr. Rina Rajasuria at University of Malai in Malaysia. And many thanks also to you, our many wonderful listeners, for following us on your preferred listening app on Twitter and Facebook. Please feel free to send us your comments and thoughts. Finally, my special thanks to our amazing industrious BMJ podcast team. I and the BMJ podcast team wish you a wonderful holiday season and a happy, healthy and peaceful year 2024. Until then, goodbye and stay safe.